0: Welcome to episode 160 of Friends and Film. We're bringing the latest movie news and a view of the biggest new release, which this week is Velvet Buzzsaw. As always, I'm your host Cooper, Hood, and this week I'm joined by Josh Draley. Hello, everybody. Cooper. Hello. How you doing? I'm doing great. Um,
1: and also, I learned something somewhat useful, somewhat interesting. Okay. We last week, the week before, we were talking about Family Video. Mm-hmm. I think, on the show. If yes, not I believe we did. Around the show, we were talking about it. <laughs> In one it's, of the episodes, yeah. It's the um, last like family video rental store that like exists across the Midwest anyway. And I learned all about them and how they were able to survive. And it's from two reasons. One, owning their own property. Oh. And that's actually really about it. And oh, then okay. they have partnerships with like Marco's Pizza and places like so that. It, so it
0: is yes. what we were talking about, how it's their... Thriving off of each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes perfect sense.
1: The pizza delivery people, like if they do that. They'll take the movies with them oh. or they'll bring them back or whatever the case is. So there's like tremendous amounts of synergy. Wow. But then they also rent out their buildings to like fitness studios and things mm-hmm. like that. So then you can be like, all right, I did my Peloton bike or whatever the case is. Then you can jog over, get a Little Caesars <laughs> or Marco's pizza, grab a movie, and then get back home to reward yourself. All right. Good, Good to know. It, it probably defeats all the purpose. But, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I've just stumbled across that and now we know. Um, But if you're looking for movie related news, not movie video rental related news, um, you can find everything that we're looking at and watching on Twitter at friends and film. But if you're looking for all of our reviews and where we talk about the news, you can find those on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever your podcast can be found. But if you can on Apple podcasts, please review us. Rate us. That'll ultimately help rank us. And then we can find more friends of the show.
0: Yeah. So before we get into our review of Velvet Buzzsaw, we've got Super Bowl coming up. Mm-hmm, we did Well, actually, it'll be. It was yesterday. already happened the by the Patri- time you guys heard this. right? The Patriots did excellent. Congratulations. The Rams, I thought, were amazing. Oh. They- they, That's true. They, they they got away with more no calls, I hope, and mm-hmm. used that advantage to take down the Patriots. And, oh
1: yes, you know I also <laughs> agree with that. That's a good assessment too. Oh.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, we're recording obviously before this episode drops Sunday night slash Monday morning. Mm-hmm. But are you you want the Patriots to win? I, are you yeah, predicting? Yeah. them? I
1: like I kind of like watching greatness, but at the same okay. time, it would be cool to see the L.A. Rams like grab a Super Bowl in their first season, second season.
0: Uh third season second season with McVeigh. so I think it's their second in LA yeah Yeah.
1: so that'd be kind of cool but at the same time it's like oh great which sports city do you want to be insufferable for a year
0: or whatever the case is LA (laughs) yeah
1: I guess I'd I mean yeah they're newer on the block
0: yeah and like if if, if Brady and Belichick and the Pats win another one it's like we've got six Mm -hmm. we're the best and it's like I don't want like they're already so high up there yeah I feel like they're like almost untouchable like right stay up there and get like another like just a small little flaw on your resume just be like <laughs> listen you were really good but you still only won five out of nine or whatever <laughs> right
1: it'll be like more like LeBron's record than like right.
0: a um like a jordan record, exactly. so to speak so uh other than the super bowl which mm-hmm. I, i'm planning on watching yes i, I am assume planning you are on watching. Well, there'll probably be a bunch of movie trailers that we'll talk about next week that are probably going to drop during that time a horde of them but before that uh we've watched other things mm-hmm. besides but bu- 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 so i just got out of an early access screening from fandango of how to train dragon the hidden world <gasps> and it was great there yes. should be a full review up i hope Everyth- by the time you guys are hearing this everything you wanted it is a great closing to the trilogy mm-hmm. like saying everything i ever wanted like that's like okay. a tough thing i guess to <laughs> to meet uh, possibly but like the dynamic but if like if you have watched the first two movies and you're a fan of hiccup and toothless and their relationship the evolutions it takes here and the dynamics that are at play are so good and uh i think it really caps off this as one of the best animated trilogies probably the second best animated trilogy right behind toy story mm-hmm. um because honestly there's not a lot of animated trilogies right um, but also just one of the a, a great trilogy of all time so yeah, loved it. Go see it when it comes out on February 22nd.
1: Epic. Awesome.
0: And we'll probably review it in full then. Yes.
1: And then I'll need to catch up on the second one cuz I still have not seen oh. it. So, I've only I have the first one, like on the first one came out, but other than that, I've got nothing. So I just need to do a complete rewatch. So here. you
0: haven't watched High in 2, but like what else no. did you watch this week then? Um, I caught for
1: the first time The Fifth Element. Okay. Luke Besson's first brawling sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend showed me that for the first time, and I, I dug it. It was. It is extraordinarily kooky. Oh yeah. From beginning to end, and lacks any sense of uh, self-seriousness, mm-hmm. which I appreciated uh, like wholeheartedly. <laughs> like once Chris Tucker's character uh, finally gets on board, you're just like, okay, this movie is totally off off the rails. And then by the time they're like, you know finding the fifth element, I guess it's like, Oh, come on. This is like a really obvious puzzle. They're like stressing <laughs> over it. Anybody who played Ocarina of time knows how to get these things going, you know? Right. Um, but then I also caught a really interesting Netflix original. I don't know if it's original, but it was just on there and it was semi terrible, but it was called the circle where 50, 52 people are all in a room together and, And there's a countdown, and they keep getting killed off every two minutes. Okay. And they have to vote on who to kill until it comes down to just one of them. Hmm. And it's really interesting, I guess. It's kind of like a whodunit social satire, psychological thriller. But other than, I mean, like I wasn't paying attention to (laughs) most of it, but... Um, yeah It's just more the concept Exactly okay. It was kind of interesting And then when you get down to the end You're like
0: Whoa
1: But that's about all But then I have a surprise for you Okay In light of something We'll be talking about later I did do a rewatch
0: Later as in this episode Or like yes. later
1: Of this episode I did a rewatch
0: of the Mummy. Wow. The, yes. The Tom Cruise, the Mummy.
1: Yes. The at the time it was the lowest rating king I'd ever given a movie. Would you give it a uh, a one? I gave it a one. I was so mad. And, I, then, and then I think Jack Reacher came on a little bit around a little bit later that I hated that even more.
0: I suppose. But then you gave uh, what was Serenity, it? Serenity last you week. Just gave a it the lowest five. possible. Exactly. Okay.
1: But anyway, I like Tom
0: Cruise more this time around. So it sucked a little less. Now that you're same... a little more in Cruise's filmography, you've seen it more? Exactly.
1: But also, I, but also at the same time, it's just so aggressively average, and all, no, all the horror elements mm-hmm. are just like, bleh. It's
0: like, okay, yeah. what a waste. I'm shocked to see that that is a movie you chose to rewatch. But I didn't, for the record, I didn't choose to rewatch <laughs> oh, okay, it. Okay. But It, it, I, it just it, happened. I, yeah, I let it happen.
1: Gotcha, gotcha, and gotcha. I wasn't, I didn't. I wasn't disgusted.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, let's jump into Velvet Buzzsaw here. I wrote a review for our website, friendsoffilm.wordpress.com. You guys can see uh, all of the reviews I write, but also I launched my 2019 watch list, which is breaking down every movie I see, giving ticket stub ratings for everything I see this year, small thoughts, um, and links to my four reviews as well. Um, So go check that out. And you'll have the link to Velvet Buzzsaw, which I put in the enjoyable but flawed section. Mm. Uh, ultimately, giving it a three and a half ticket stub out of five because I think this is a movie that uh, doesn't quite doesn't like come close to the incredibleness that was Nightcrawler. Gilroy and Jolene Hall's first pairing up in 2014, which is one of my favorite films of that year, but maybe even one of my favorite films of the last five years now. Um, and this one, the thing I'm more interested about in this movie is mm-hmm. what it's dealing with and the possible themes and ideas that Gilroy's trying to maybe get across unless I'm reading maybe too far into what he's trying to do here. Okay. Um, but Hall in the lead role uh, he is so good as Morph VanderWalt, yes. uh, incredible name, and it's Gyllenhaal going into the artsy side and mm-hmm. being a an art critic, and it is a really fun way to see Gyllenhaal kind of spread his wings more, as yeah. he's been doing lately with movies like Okja or Nightcrawler or uh, any of the variety of films he's been in over the last several years, mm-hmm. and it is an, it's a joy to watch him just kind of do his own little thing here uh, i was also impressed by zaway ashton who plays the co-lead of the film yes. who's the one who discovers the paintings that kind of uh, are at the center of the plot here of Velvet Buzzsaw. but uh, other than them two i felt like the rest of the cast was kind of too big like there were too many people here to give me enough with a lot of the characters so like David diggs and john malkovich i was like okay cool mm-hmm. but then it's like they're really inconsequential to the movie's right story and what's actually happening and they're kind of loose ends in a lot of cases They're faces that like you light up and
1: go hey yeah and then they don't come back around really as much and you're like oh
0: yeah and, it, and like it's i wanted to make this clear in, in the review uh that it, like in a lot of and t- a lot there's like several instances of movies where like oh it's that person and then you're bombed that it's like oh they just have like a small role to play mm-hmm. but it's like it's not even just that it's just that I feel like you could cut these characters almost out of the movie entirely or give them bigger roles and it would benefit the movie either way you went. And instead it's just like that unsatisfactory middle where it's like, Oh, okay. Like I was, I'm, it was nice to see you guys, but I wish I would have gotten more from you. Like Natalia Dyer is just there to perfect her scream. And like, that's really it. <laughs> um, but I like Tony Collette, Renee Russo. They were both uh, strong, fun performances in uh as uh, people in Morph's life and this art world. Um, but the thing, like, as I mentioned that I was really more interested in was hit like the way this movie almost tackles what it is to critique art and critique yes. uh, film and all that. So I found that aspect of the movie fascinating. Yep. Um, there's some decent visual aspects of it too. Um, the script is not half baked, but it's not fully baked either where, the logic of what is happening. I'm not sure completely makes sense. We'll get into it in spoilers, but so it's, it's a movie that it's like mm-hmm. not all the way there. And I, there's, I can see the potential for it to get there and be a night esque, you know, supernatural art drama thriller. Um, but instead it doesn't quite get there, but it's still, I think an enjoyable film that can make you think about different aspects of art and stuff that you may not think about otherwise. So and since it's just right there on Netflix, it's an easy recommendation. And again, three and a half ticket stubs out of five.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm going to kind of, I'm, I'm going to go one step further because I just love horror so much. And anytime it's somewhat different mm-hmm. than something I've seen before, I'm like, excellent. Like Velvet Buzzsaw is one step below, like one more script rewrite. um, And then it's an art, it's it's a, it's a magnificent, immaculate art house horror. I think Mm -hmm. Gilroy's the, the, the slow tension and the burn of this movie is all there. You're kind of wary of everything going on, even though it's what's going on on the screen is actually objectively ludicrous in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways, especially when we're with morph, um, who's doing like a really good Jerry salts. Who's like the chief critic of the New York times. (laughs) And he's like, if you ever listen to that guy talk, you're just like, this is so insufferable. What (laughs) are you even talking about? Like, and yeah, it, it makes for fun of like the modern art world and like how, how you determine like what's good and what's bad. So there's plenty of like, you know, like good gags and things like that running through here, or at least kind of like dry wit about, mm-hmm. about what's happening. Um, it's enough to appreciate, but it's like shaded and dark. So you don't know if you're like actually supposed to laugh or if you're supposed to be like, Oh yes, this is a very serious mm-hmm. movie. This is, these people know what they're doing, but yeah, like um, But it comes down to sort of like you said, the cast sort of just kind of carrying out like what this really. Oh, I would agree is three fourths of the way baked. Okay, uh, curse plot because yes, the logic of it. I mean, the the logic of curses never makes sense here, especially so. And we'll talk about that in spoilers. But um, when we get around to like, gasp! Oh no, these paintings have you know the. a certain quality that makes them, you know, come to life and, uh-huh. you know, haunt these people and take them down. And then, um, as that was, we move through that. It's like fun to watch Jill and hall, um, Zowie Colette and like all these people, divvy digs and everything like that, like deal with it. Uh-huh. Malkovich too, for a little bit. Then he, I don't know how that guy ended up living. I thought for sure he'd be the first person <laughs> well, to go. Spoiler alert. Well, that's right. Sorry. Um, but, uh, and then like, you know, uh, all the way through that, you're like, these are some of my favorites. And then I get to watch them sort of just like have fun in the Gilroy script mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And, uh, and a Netflix script, you know, or whatever the case is. Um, so that was like the really enjoyable part. And then the, but as we get to sort of like the curse aspect of it, um, that's where I'm sort of like, oh yeah, we, put some finer points on this Mm -hmm. and i think we have something that i could be like this is really good and really crazy and fun yeah um but other than that like it's sort of just like a watch it if you can if you can't you're not missing anything like uber special okay especially if you like the art world so yeah uh, i'm at four tickets
0: okay great so let's move into spoilers here um and do you want to i want to start with the 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 logic behind what's going on here Mm -hmm. so which is yeah, uh, which of obviously, if you're here in this point in the spoilers part, section of the review, you've hopefully seen the movie, so you know that uh, you know, these paintings are have been basically cursed by the guy who died who mm-hmm. painted them uh, because he was using his own blood yep. to help you know use that for the darker shades and all that kind of stuff. Right. And so now that the people who want these paintings and want to profit off them and sell them or do whatever they, they want with them. They are now being like hunted down, basically, um, by the ghost of the the essence, the soul of the artist.
1: The, mm-hmm. That is what my understanding was. Since he just like dies in his apartment, and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna make this dude fa- mm-hmm. famous posthumously because he died in his apartment somehow or whatever the case right. is." And then they find out that blood is the. Element that, or like a special, like his mm-hmm. special coating, or whatever yeah. the case is, is or uh, whatever the material is, so that like adds that whole different aspect to it. Um So yeah, it's like sort of like how terrible artists get treated by the people who try to sell their art. I don't know like what that story is there or whatever, but yeah, like why his spirits coming after them? Well, never quite clear. It's never there. Never there's never like a moment where they're like, oh, it's haunting us because we're selling them, yeah, or anything like well,
0: that. It wasn't. It's not even just like why, but I'm also confused on how they're able to because it's it's never the actual paintings themselves that the dead guy did. Right, his spirit or whatever is able to embody any form of art, Mm -hmm. and that and so it's never his stuff. It's always something that somebody else created. He's able to then use it or in some way. And then use that to kill them, which that this is where we get into. Like, I don't know what exactly Gilroy's going for. Like, is it a like there's a line in the movie where they, they're talking about how like all art isn't somewhat derivative of what came before it. And yes. so it's like, is that what they're going for? Like, these paintings are older, so then the newer art that has come after is even though nobody has seen that art it is in some way derivative of what came before us. So like art inspires further art. So that way in some way all art is connected to one another. And that's how the other things are able to kill for him. Or am I reading too much into I, like,
1: this? Like, Yeah. Like, cause there's these avenues where they're just kind of like, let's say something about the world. That's mm-hmm. very much where the satire comes in. And don't like personally, I didn't think that was at all like okay. related to it. I just sort of like, okay, since they took his paintings, he's mad. And uh-huh. so now he's just going to go fly into everything else or I don't know, fly, but you know, um cause everything to kind of like come to life right. or, you know, yank that. I think, I think it was Josephine that gets like yanked into like a mm-hmm. painting and then like, House of Waxed or something yep. like that into it. Which is like kind of the like, it's the coolest death of them. Oh yeah. Show. Or it's the second coolest because then when Renee Russo has the unexpected
0: yeah, that was pretty uh, gnarly.
1: Yeah, the, the, the um the title comes to life. Uh, which
0: was so weird. Like
1: they set it up and I'm like, why is that there? When they when yeah. first showed her the t- the tattoo of a buzzsaw on her back.
0: That says velvet buzzsaw in the yeah, middle.
1: Exactly. And then by the end of the movie, since Art comes to life or, you know, becomes mm-hmm. vengeful, the buzz saw becomes real and lashes. Yeah, it her turns neck. on. And I was just like,
0: it was one of those weird <laughs> things where I was just like, when they first showed the tattoo, I was just mm-hmm. like, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So this is the title of the movie. Yes. Is it just because this is a cool title?
1: Oh, did you think it was just sort of like one of those things they like layered on there and they're like, oh, it'll look like a tattoo, but it's actually the logo of the film?
0: I was just, it was more, well, no, I was just thinking like, all right, how is this going to, like, Come I feel back. like I feel like the tattoos and this is like one of the questions I had kind of not related to exactly what we're talking about but like Renee Russo's character has multiple tattoos besides just the buzzsaw and so when we were first meeting her like you know we see her neck tattoo of the buzzsaw we see she has something on her forearm like she's got all these different tattoos and they're lingering on them and I'm like okay like what what is it? like I'm guessing it's just I guess it was just to build character or give her some sort of vague you know, backstory or show how she's an artist and using her body as a canvas or whatever. Yeah. And, but I thought for sure, for, like after we first got that, those introductions to her, I was like, all right, these tattoos are going to like come back in some way of mm-hmm. like the deeper meaning. Or- she's
1: a hexist or Satanist or something like that. Who that well, was her father and she's right. trying to protect the paintings. Cause she's right. the one kind of orchestrating like the stop the paintings from being sold. She sends um Coco on Natalia dyer mm-hmm. all like out to go get them so you like you think there's something there but then it's just sort of like oh no she's just like yeah she's trying just to-, to curate
0: them to sell them for right herself yeah yeah so it's just like it was yeah it's a weird thing and then they even like it was weird because but leading up to her death like they like foreshadowed it like i don't know if it was like did you feel like it was too heavy-handed where they showed like her taking out a picture of hers and next to her cat with like two like shadows in front of her i was like yeah like this is clearly going to be the end of the Mm. movie and so we're either like and then, like when the cat, you know, which he said sounds like, all oh, right, there, there it is. Yeah, like, exactly. It felt a little I mean, too heavy-handed. Right.
1: Well, yeah. Like as you, we, we've already been like told we're being like cascading towards the end. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, like by that point, they're like, here we go. Yeah. Gilroy's is not being subtle no. at all at that point. And by the time we get to this point, I don't think we've, th- th- subtlety's gone out the window <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So I mean, I think he's just kind of embracing it because it is like it's one of the it's the kind of like gorier part of the movie. So, mm-hmm. um you know why not
0: yeah i mean i think she probably got up, either her or or zoe uh, ashton got like the, the cooler deaths of the film like jake's is like is is, cre- is, is creepy <laughs> yeah. to the, in the lead up but it, it's unsatisfactory in that he's just like cr- you know crushed basically right. by a robot And i was like i eh, didn't really love that um and then uh tony Collette dies with her arm getting chopped off which was uh cool but i wish they didn't like show that kind of in the trailer <laughs> uh cause it's pretty obvious then obviously but uh it's the and then uh oh then the one guy get like hangs himself or gets hung yes. by watching the projector mm-hmm. screen which it was it was it was a, an interesting effect it reminded me of it uh, yes. a little yep. bit obviously but uh you know it was more like you know it was one of those things where i I'm not sure, like the first half of this movie is more of just like a straight kind of drama mystery, mm-hmm. and then we get into the supernatural stuff the second half of the film, and yep. that's probably the stronger half of the movie and i but I wish there were just more of that that creepiness, more of the thrills, more of the horror stuff kind of throughout, but even beefed up a little more by the end
1: yeah see i did not mind the first half because i, I could feel the satire coming through mm-hmm. on the art world and i was like this is kind of interesting because yeah. i don't know anything about this And mm-hmm. like what does it mean to like you know be all these things and uh, jill hall's character is so fun um in this movie, or it's not so much fun, but he's just like, he's always someone different. Mm-hmm. And anytime you get a different Hall character on screen, it's something to absorb. Oh yeah. And I think that was like where the, where a lot of the fun was. And then like, there's the first time surprises of all these actors in there mm-hmm. um, coming up and coming through. Like I was shocked to see Billy Magnuson, like totally yeah. missed him throughout the entire, oh, the, the one trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, But then I'm like, hey, I know you. Yeah, It's good to see you there. He's kind of like, be like, hey, don't touch that. Or he's just you yeah. know. <laughs> His
0: whole thing was, I, I'm more than just a handyman. Like I, <laughs> right. I'm, like, I'm like, all right, that, that may be true, but like, I don't he's, care. He's an aspiring artist too. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you got to get in however you can, mm-hmm. get in this, this industry. Um, but the satire element of the first half, that is the other half of this film that I kind of found fascinating as well with what Gilroy's talking about in terms of, what it means to be like a reviewer or a, a critic of art in any form yeah and the repercussions of that where you know jake is uh talking about one piece of art at, at a certain point in the film and people are like trashing him because he gave some other piece you know a bad a bad review and then that guy like crashed his car or something and it was in a coma and mm-hmm. he was just like like they're showing kind of like that reviews and stuff, you know, whether they're mean-spirited or not or they're truthful or not, you know, they're – like they affect the artist in some way. Yeah. And then it goes – and then like uh, that this idea of what it – like the responsibilities of a critic but also how, you know, reviews and stuff can be mm-hmm. changed and altered based on previous biases or um, – the state of mind of somebody as they're seeing it for the first time. I found that part of the movie kind of fascinating. And I mentioned in my review, I'm like, am I more, am I, am I more likely to like velvet bussaw because I'm a massive Jake Gyllenhaal fan? Right. Probably. Mm Mm-hmm. And you should know that. You should take that into account when reading yeah. and hearing my thoughts.
1: Especially, too, when you're extremely sour about his lack of uh, an Oscar win exactly. for, with Nightcrawler, directed by Dan Gilroy. Yeah. So maybe you're like, this is it. This is the revenge is the, movie. This is the ones. This is Dan Gilroy saying, screw the Academy for not nominating <laughs> yeah. Nightcrawler for an Oscar. Exactly. That's. Oh, I think we just cracked the code.
0: <laughs> this is all just to get back at everybody for not giving Hall an Oscar. It
1: is a really timely release, too. Um, right at, at the end of award season, mm-hmm. right before the big one, the big uh, the Academy Awards. So like that definitely did not go unnoticed for me. I'm like as I'm watching this, I'm like, oh, you know, as we're like going through all of these mm-hmm. things, um, especially too like cause, because because Hall's our critic is like the most, like one of the more revered people on there or right. whatever the case is he's like a white dude so it's just like oh huh, interesting and like i'm like i wonder what giller going here for and then you know always like the one who's like just getting like hammered and like stumbling
0: all over the place mm-hmm. and things
1: like that but so I, also, like,
0: hmm. I also liked how then she was like basically she told him to go to like a concert i think it was and like give the band like a harsh review for their concert and then like there's fallout from that but then he confesses later on that he's like i liked that you know, that performance. And I gave them a bad review for you. And it's just like, it's, well, it's a, it's a thing where it's like, I didn't put this in my written view, but it's like, it is kind of not being biased in any way or having any, um, uh, pre, uh, conceived ideas, right? Like that's like almost impossible. Like, oh, because yeah. whether you're anticipating a film, you're not anticipating a film, whether you're, um, being truthful about the matter, or you are you're you're you know you you hate Brian, Brian Singer, so you went and, when you saw *Bipin Rhapsody*. All you could think about that was he was doing this movie, so I hate this movie, or whatever it may be. Um, like that, those are all factors, and like it's impossible to take the human and the emotion out of a review because ultimately, art is supposed to get an emotional response from somebody. Yes, and mm-hmm. so you you cannot you know, do this. We cannot talk about this without emotion getting into it. So yeah,
1: exactly.
0: I I love that idea. And Mm -hmm. it was more of like going between this and then the other part of what is art can art, you know, that other stuff we talked about before. Right. It's like those two different ideas that I almost would have liked you know Gilroy to just go all in on one of them mm-hmm. instead of mashing them together in y- one movie.
1: Yeah. Like you could absolutely have like a Roman J Israel Esquire mm-hmm. movie or I don't know, I'm just trying to make up a film. I'm not trying to make it up, like I'm just trying to throw it out there. Like just it's solely focused on the art world and someone trying to do some kind of like hustle like that. Mm-hmm. Um with all these characters and it would be rather compelling. Yeah. Um but then, of course, here, you know, it needs a little bit of a hook because it's Netflix yeah. and it's got to fit clearly into a genre. Mm-hmm. And so here we have right. the well, art horror.
0: I guess this is an art horror, art house horror movie. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like if, if that if that trailer or if this movie didn't have the the twist or not the twist, the the different angle than you'd expected to go where mm-hmm. it dives into the horror supernatural elements, Uh, like that first trailer that everybody was like kind of like, oh, my gosh, like, this is not what we expect at all. It's more to be like a, oh, okay. Like Dan Gilroy and Jake Gyllenhaal are going to talk about art for two hours. Right. Eh, well, I may check it out. But yeah. like you introduced the element for the commercial appeal and mm-hmm. I, I get all of that. For sure. But it's just, it's still like, man, like I, I, st- I there's that part of me that loved that Gilroy was just so focused on what do you want to do with nightcrawler and discussing uh, news and framing of the news and all that kind of stuff. And then I would have loved to see him just go all in on like the review aspect of Art and then he can do some supernatural horror movie downline. He could go do yeah. like a new movie at Blumhouse and be part of the universal monster thing. Mm-hmm. Like, given like he yeah. can do that and but still give us his other thing here.
1: Yeah, totally. Lo- I love Gilroy's aptness for punching up. Um, like, cause like, you know, like taking on snobbish art critics and things like mm-hmm. that. Like, like, places where matter of taste is so, you know, is so broad. And yeah. Like what we like and what we, you know, like you said, like what elicits an emotional reaction from us, on all sorts of these factors. Um, so he's punching up here. And I think that's a really good target to go at. But then also, too, in a lot of ways with um, Nightcrawler mm-hmm. and just like the aggressive, uh, bloodthirsty media coverage that they're looking for in mm-hmm. like L.A. especially. So um, I think that's why Roman J. Israel Esquire, getting that right yeah okay I, it's just it's such a crazy time <laughs> it really well. is um was so kind of like meh for me because mm-hmm. it's just sort of like yeah this has kind of been done before and it yeah. doesn't seem like it's like
0: suited for gilroy's talents no at least yeah. not his full potential like that was like a, a pretty big disappointment of that of 2017 mm-hmm. when the movie came out because it's like all right nightcrawler dan gilroy's back and i was like and he's with denzel and it's like, oh it's just yeah. like kind of a regular like legal dramas mm-hmm. basically but this one you know for better or worse like you know he takes some swings and he i think he goes with some some ideas here of Velvet bustle that I respect and i think those are the portions of the movie that if this film has any lasting impact on filmmaking and society or whatever uh it'll be more based on the ideas it's tackling other than rather than being like wow remember like that shot from Velvet Butts or or Jake yeah. like Jake Gyllenhaal's performance is good, really good, but it's not like, you know, it's no Nightcrawler, it's no um, you know, some of the other great performances he's done in his mm-hmm. past. So it's like this is this is a really good movie. Like if you're a fan of Nightcrawler or, or Gyllenhaal Hall or Renee Rooster or Tony Collette and you're fresh off hereditary, like yeah, go sure, go check this out. I'm sure you'll like enjoy it. Um yeah. for that. One hundred percent. So uh last thing here, gotta end it with will Josh ever watch it again? Josh will not watch it by himself again. But he'll he show will show it to somebody? He will show it
1: to all sorts of people. Perfect. Like, I've already got, like, three people in mind that need to see <laughs> this movie, so. All
0: right. Well, yeah, I think, uh, we, so I give three and a half tickets to that five. You give it four. Mm-hmm. And uh, those are our thoughts on Velvet Buzzsaw. Let us know what you guys thought. Uh, tweet us at Front and Film and then uh, individually on Twitter as well. And we'll throw out those kind of at the end of the show. We'll be right back in a bit, though. with back with the news, and as always, we'll start with our three main topics, starting with a topic that has been uh, almost two years in the making. The Batman drama is over. It's finally over, everybody. I know you've been waiting for us, Cooper and Josh, to talk about what is going on with Matt Reeves' The Batman, mm-hmm. what is going on with Ben Affleck, and this week, finally, delivered Answers. We are on episode 160 right now. We put to bed... This movie on episode eighty-five. Oh my gosh! So this has been insanely long. I think we've talked about the Batman a few times since then, like getting Reeve. around it. Like, yes. what is Reeves' vision for it? Poking or, at it, very, yeah, very closely. Just like, <laughs> but now we finally have some legit answers, some legit uh, news on where it is going, what the state of it is going to be. Starting with Warner Brothers giving it an official. June 25th, 2021 release date uh, with production possibly beginning at the end of this year, early next year. Um, And then, you know, in the news of this being shared, it was headlined by deadline that, you know, the Batman gets 2021 release date, Ben Affleck to pass role to younger star. And Ben Affleck quoted that on Twitter Mm -hmm. and shared that article saying, I'm excited to see what Matt Reeves is going to do with the Batman when it hits theaters. Yep. Basically confirming that he is indeed out. A new actor is coming in. We don't know who it is yet. Um, but after all of this time, Josh. We are, we're free to talk about the Batman.
1: We are. And it's been so long that I don't even remember what my opinion was anymore about whether Affleck would
0: return. I do. Do you do? What I did do. I say? Because we made a bet on it. We did make a bet on it. Oh, god. Which I don't know how we're going to do anymore. I lost it. I you, know for you sure. You did lose. Yes. Because I said there was no way he's going to appear after Justice League. And you said that he would. Yeah. And our bet was a movie ticket and concessions. Which I don't know how we do anymore because we're both A-list. <laughs>
1: oh, well, that's easy. I buy your concessions, but you scan your A-list thing.
0: So I get the points.
1: And the free stuff. You don't like that. That, could, that
0: could work. Or we but just I'm go, still like,
1: stra- buying it at a discount, though, too. So it's Or we like just go diminishes.
0: straight cash. We can just change it. I don't know. I what? can
1: slide you a crisp $10 $10? bill. $10? Well, I mean, movie ticket come on. and concessions inflation, Cooper.
0: <laughs> yeah, so theoretically, the price should be worth more now. Than it oh was wait, two years I ago. I'm
1: sorry, I meant depression. Yeah. Um, so there we go. So, uh, okay, okay, but I was wrong, obviously, but I did not expect us to take two
0: yeah. years. It, it was two years to the day of this announcement that it was reported or it was made official that Ben Affleck wasn't going to direct the movie anymore. Oh, snap. So this has been a long time coming, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I did not
1: expect the saga to go on this long. And obviously each day that it, you know, um, went further and further and further and further and further and further. And and we had no news Mm -hmm. made it even harder for Affleck to come back. Yeah. like the distance and he just like moves himself on from a different place and yeah, the whole the whole system since then has been turned up on the side of its head. We did not have Hermada. We were, did not live in a James Wan... A one Billion universe? Yeah, exactly. Or, like, all of these things. But they obviously, though, this was a long time coming. Mm-hmm. This has been a long time coming since Reeve put pen to the script or his fingers to the keyboard, whatever the case is. Um, but I am okay with it. Like, I like it. Like, I'm not upset or anything like that about it. Like, I was cautious about mm-hmm. the Affleck casting when initially happened or whatever I'm Like, okay we'll see whatever the case is loved his performance yeah. in Batman versus Superman um, Justice League was what it was I mean it was just hacked together yeah. all sorts of bits and pieces um, but I can't wait to see Reese's vision mm-hmm. I think that's the most exciting thing out of all of this and whoever they get to play him um, I'm sure Warner Brothers is going to do a good job like you know doing a young batman year one type attitude to it
0: well so this is this is the thing where it's well first off uh now that this saga is over like yeah like i liked ben affleck's batman in bvs he was probably the best part of that movie yes and then
1: yeah it wasn't
0: allowed to be expressive yet right so, so but like he was a big and it's like after that movie it's like that's when the news started coming that ben affleck's writing a batman solo movie he's going to direct it. It's like. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. Ben Affleck, the Oscar-winning screenwriter, Oscar not Oscar-winning director in a sense where he didn't win the Best Director Oscar, but his movie won Best Direct uh, Best Picture. picture? Yes, uh, that guy is going to star, write, direct, and produce a solo Batman movie. Sign me up immediately! Like mm-hmm. that sounds great. Get me get it to me as soon as possible. And it turns out that was basically the reason why this never happened because. WB, like everybody else, is just like Ben, 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 where's this Batman movie? Where's mm-hmm. the script? When we get like could we film next week? And he's just like, No, <laughs> yeah. This is not happening that soon. And so ultimately, like, you know, he, he leaves the project and Justice League fell out. And, you know, we have moved on. And it's it's more just like reassuring to finally now know what I've been sensed. Like I've felt for two years that like he is out, he's not coming back. And now it's just like out there, like we know. Ben Affleck is done. Like, is it possible he could return for like a like I don't even know, like a, a cameo? I guess theoretically, sure, but like if you're committing to a new young Batman, like I think you would just wipe your hands and you move on and don't yeah. let Affleck come back. Or not don't let him, but you just don't bring him back. And right. now that we're just you know moving forward and it's just like, yes, now we get Matt Reeves' take. What I have been excited for Matt Reeves directing a Batman movie starring Ben Affleck? You sure, you betcha. But am I more excited that Matt Reeves, who has a trilogy in mind probably, uh, isn't going to have to do a Batman with, with Ben Affleck and then be like, oh, well now Affleck doesn't want to be in the next two parts of my Batman trilogy. This is awkward. I don't know what to do here. Uh, and now we can just go forward with what Reeves wants to do. Uh, he was talking to THR actually the morning before this all dropped mm-hmm. and saying that you know his take is noir, dr- detective-driven Batman movie, which he's talked about a lot before. Um, but he also basically confirmed that it's going to have multiple villains because he's mentioned that the rogues gallery is going to be in there. So you can't have a rogues gallery, which is one guy. you got to have three, four, five people show up. Yeah. And if that's the case, then we're looking at a Batman who's not necessarily year one where this is his first year on the job, but this is probably a Batman who's like three, four, five years in. And he's dealt with, you know, the penguin before he's Mm -hmm. dealt with, you know, the Riddler. And like, so they, they have this semi history that we're going to be just dropped right into.
1: Yeah. It'll start with the, the dynamic already being established. And whoever's playing these characters is going to be able to just be like, Remember me, Batman. Yeah. <laughs> and, and be then, like, like, run for the.
0: I don't, but that's fine. Yeah, like, exactly. We've like, unless he goes you know, with villains that like, most people don't know that have mm-hmm. never been on the screen before, which is possible. Um, Calendar Man,
1: right? <laughs> and mustard and Ketchup Man, yeah. Condiment <laughs> Man, right. Condiment right.
0: King. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like you get all those bizarre people who show up in the Lego Batman movie. Like, this is like the opportunity for them to start fresh and just start the ground running. They don't have to tell an origin story of how he became Batman. They don't have to tell the origin story of his first encounter with you know the penguin they can just have penguin be a villain in the film Mm -hmm. for like 20 minutes and then be part of a larger thing and right i love the idea that matt reeves the guy who directed chlorophyll the guy directed the last two Planet of the apes movies uh he is going to come in and do a detective batman movie which we've seen elements of before in previous films but like a true like not action really heavy yeah. Batman movie like excites me, especially if this means the beginning of his vision that's gonna play out over three films. It,
1: it, precisely. And like that's the thing that would be really important to me going not important to me. It's a movie. Um, <laughs> but but like that would be really it would be really cool to see going forward is an adherence to that kind of vision. Because these movies are gonna like definitely gonna escalate each other in a lot of ways. But if there can be sort of like a um, like a Her- like a Hercules Perot, Sherlock Holmes type approach. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe, not, maybe not even those. Those are a little bit too. Um, a little too like whimsical. Like yeah, I- I'm thinking more Columbo or Sam Spade esque, and where it's on the beat and you're just going from mm-hmm. one thing to another. Really throw in those callbacks to like I don't know, like the jazz music up late at night, sitting in their office. Damsel comes in like ty- mm-hmm. like they're really like cliche misogyny like type stuff. That, like they get to <laughs> like that would be. That would be really cool to see them play into, mm-hmm. especially in a city like Gotham. Um, and like yeah, like the ro- when you have that Rogues Gallery, there's with a built-in, like you said, like a history that we don't need to relearn. Like they were already doing with Affleck's Batman and the Justice League um, saga, I guess mm-hmm. trilogy. I don't know how you'd even round those around, but um, go by going with that. Um, you can, I don't know, you can, you could even do voiceover narration, like if you wanted to, like really. And so I think it would be like really interesting. Um, but yeah, no, I think that would definitely be the best way to go. Eventually, they're gonna break that mold, but I, mm-hmm. this first one specifically, I can't wait to see that brought to life on screen.
0: Right, and it's like it is interesting that like this is the vision that Matt Reese has of going de- like a noir detective movie because when Ben Affleck was writing a script, like people were saying his influence was like seven or, you know, the game or like Mm -hmm. these kind of classic, you know, mystery detective kind of films. And it's like to know that that's where Matt Reeves also has it going. It's just so interesting that we're not going to get them collaborating on a project together, which is okay. Like I'm fine with that. I'd rather, like I said, start where we can continue to go instead of start something and then be like, well, that was it. It's like, Oh, Oh, okay. That was was a cool one film. Right. But, like, you're going to cut yourself out of the long-term, you know, franchise.
1: Yeah, and with this younger um, approach, Mm -hmm. it sounds like we'll be able to have someone that can even do 25 different cameos all across the board.
0: Right, which uh, we'll... Our our big question this week, which will drop on Wednesday, is going to be who should be the next Batman. Um, So, we'll talk about who we want to see take over the role. Then, um, I'm going to call a quick audible here, though. Oh, Uh, okay. we're talking about kind of the Batman. We also got a release date set for Suicide Squad 2 this week of August 6, 2021. So, it's coming out two months um, after the Batman. And this gives us a slate of DC Films you know for the next three years and james gunn according to thr is actually finally in talks to direct the film That will have a yeah. mostly new cast um with harley and amanda waller being the ones who are kind of rumored to probably return and maybe mm-hmm. will smith uh, as deadshot but with that news which you know i'm happy about suicide squad or the suicide squad as it is titled yes. um you know, I would have I think I still would have rather seen Gavin O'Connor's take on Suicide Squad instead of James Gunn's mm-hmm. and have James Gunn still do Guardians three, but this is the world we live in. I'll accept it. I'm happy for Gunn to have a new job. Um but like this it feels like finally like Hamada's plan is like coming into focus here. Oh, and yeah. We know this year we get Aquaman and Joker is an elsworth film, but next year it's Birds of Prey, Wonder Woman 1984 both set in this continuity even though they'll probably make some probably minor canon changes um along the way and then the year after we're getting the batman and the suicide squad and beyond that we know like a flash movie is coming hopefully fingers crossed uh from the game night directors and like after all these kind of it felt like years of uncertainty of well what's next the dc universe is in shambles we don't know what the plan is there is no plan probably now it's like no, there is. And we know, like, there's a sense of relief not only for the Batman, yeah. but just DC as
1: a whole. Like, Kamada's David is coming out of the marble. Like, it took a while for them to, like, you know, chisel the finer details <laughs> of it, you know, um, I, because they had been, you know, totally just, you know, messed up um, last time around. But, yeah, you can clearly see, like, a oh, they have movies now. It's not just like a, it doesn't feel as haphazard or is mad of a dash Mm -hmm. um as much of a um oh yeah like that uh so there's just something that feels good about all of these Mm -hmm. films now and that's weird to say but like i feel like dc is going to churn out some quality Mm -hmm. movies in these next few years
0: well it's like yeah like after not even just the uncertainty but like a lot of kind of negative buzz around the universe like Mm -hmm. Th- all of these announcements all coming kind of at the same time it's like there's just like a relief and an, an optimistic you know feeling about the whole thing and it's just like if they could just tell me what henry Cavill's status is as a superman and just confirm that he's out then like w- like we're golden like there's no more like lingering questions of what's yeah. gonna happen like james wan's gonna do aquaman 2 probably Patty jenkins already it's one of the three ideas we talked about last week like mm-hmm. there are like mo there are plans in motion for the DCEU even if it's not super connected and building towards a dark side encounter in 4 years there is a longevity mm-hmm. building for this franchise which right. i think is super exciting yeah
1: regardless of whether they yeah like you said like weave together or not mm-hmm. you can just clearly see some like some kind of vision that was i feel like obscured a lot under Snyder's kind of coming forward a little bit at least in terms of like here's these movies this is what we're doing this is like our intention behind a lot of them i'm mm-hmm. um, especially seeing those like with um you know aquaman and the hiring of directors for birds of prey and another movie that they have a director for whose name i can't uh, think I mean, of
0: that dc is director for they've yes. got directors on like of sirens yes, and uh, exactly. a whole bunch of different things yeah so so yeah, I mean it it is just it is nice, it is nice to know. Mm-hmm. Um and we'll move on to another universe that is actually a quick plug um on that topic of, Oh yes. uh I there's an article up on screen right now called The DCEU is dead, long live the DCEU, basically recounting how mm-hmm. the original vision of the DCEU has officially died now with Affleck, you know, leaving and now the new DCEU is going to be you know, risen from those ashes and so uh go go check that out um but yeah we'll move on to a report from Variety that gave us the exciting news that Leigh Winnell, the director of Upgrade is now set to write and direct Universal's The Invisible Man movie uh which Blumhouse and Jason Blum are going to produce uh the film may no longer star Johnny Depp even though that is not confirmed either mm-hmm. way it's more of just like this is Whannell's own take and then when his you know vision and the script is done they'll go pitch it to that probably and see if he wants to be involved or not um but that's i would probably say it's not gonna happen um and then this also comes as universal has tabled out their ideas for a cinematic monster universe instead going with a filmmaker driven model that could still lead to a shared universe down the line but the big news is obviously Lewin coming in the dark universe basically is no more even though we had no real doubts but this is like a victory lap for us, for a lot of people who wanted Blumhouse to take over these monsters and get involved. And I think Leigh Wanell starting this off with the Invisible Man is a really great way to you know, to do this from the start.
1: Yeah, like I have no idea who the Invisible Man is.
0: He's just a dude in bandages.
1: Exactly. <laughs> like, But I am 100% here for whatever Leigh Wanell and Jason Blum and the entire team at Blumhouse mm. can like cook up. Because it'll be, number one, probably modern-ish. Probably probably most likely he's the guy takes, like, he lives in the forties. I think like a lot of the time. Oh yeah. A lot I of those understand. original
0: films. Yeah. Oh,
1: because that's the time that they were made in, yeah. but it'll probably be like a modern take obviously. Cause that's what we saw with the mummy. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that, that idea. And then it'll have, you know, the craft that Blumhouse has and like all of the people that they know do so well on these films. Um, and those elements will be upfront first and foremost, but then they have the expertise of Le Wanal, who directed Blumhouse's first action movie, like mm-hmm. real true action film. And it's going to be under, it's going to be in great control, I think. Um, in a lot of ways, like with universals, um, I know budget and mm-hmm. money and everything like that. Like, you know, pushing these movies forward in a lot of ways. It's going to make Blumhouse better. It's going to make Linnell better. It's going to make, obviously, Invisible Man, which was sounded like a dud as soon as they announced it, especially with, you know, Depp in there. Um, so, yeah, I could not be more stoked for this. And then obviously, you know, we like begged for this. We like yeah. shouted out, like as soon as like we realized the mummy movies were like terrible or like mm-hmm. that we weren't getting Bride of Frankenstein literally in the next month or whatever the case yeah. was. Um, so, yeah this is, this is great. And I have actually never been more excited for universal and their films.
0: Yeah. Well, it's like finally like similar to the Batman and the DCU as, as a whole, it's like, we have like exciting developments on this project. We know finally where this is going into the tra- uh, trajectory for the invisible man, but also these universal monsters um, as a whole, because even if they're not interconnected and crossing over and we get to see an invisible man and Frankenstein together with mm-hmm. the Wolfman and whatever, right. uh, that doesn't matter because yeah. now we know that they're going to like most likely stick to the horror elements of this and not try to make it a, a globe trotting adventure film starring Tom Cruise. That was the mummy. Like mm-hmm. it's just going to be whatever these characters are in, in their cores. That's what they're going to embrace with. And lay when I feel like taking over this, um, coming to somebody who's never seen a visible man movie. I feel like a lot of that would probably be a physical performance, obviously. So if he wants to get Logan Marshall Green back,
1: Oh yeah, have him
0: star as the Invisible Man, I'd be all on board for that um, and basically give me an upgrade sequel that is completely different in a, in a, in a sense. So, uh, this is super exciting news and if this is happening, I'll be just sure to see if they hold off on announcing what's happening with Bride of Frankenstein mm-hmm. and a, another Mummy movie or a Jekyll and Hyde film or Wolfman or Creature of the Black Lagoon or yeah. all these different properties that they have access to. Like, are they going to... Blumhouse and Universal are going to wait to see what The Invisible Man does, or are they going to keep like, all right, now that we've announced this, let's talk to other talent and see if they'd be interested in doing this other you know, property for us and mm-hmm. getting this off ground in a larger sense because yeah, there's like this goodwill board building right now, and I feel like it'd be almost best to capitalize now and just have some of these films ready to go. And right. then if they all hit, then it's like, all right, well, now we can look at, well how we can bring them together jason blum before we started recording like had an interview up where he was talking about how he wants blumhouse to have a cinematic universe of its own in some sense so if he has that in mind and he's now producing and taking over these universal monster movies then we could get there again mm-hmm. and hopefully it'll be a lot better off than where we almost started
1: <laughs> yeah for sure absolutely I and mean, like another thing too is like when you give the real creatives, a chance to weave their own stories together. Like with, um, new line cinnamon and Warner brothers conjuring verse, mm-hmm. like of all things, like only good things. If oh, not only good things, obviously we had them. Yeah. The none with is like as an exception. And we, they're
0: all financially performing but, really well. Right.
1: Right. Exactly. With those sides, like, you know, but, um, with those things, you know, giving these people control is only going to lead to better movies. So,
0: yeah, and let's uh, go to a report from THR where they revealed that Zack Snyder is back. He is going to Netflix to direct Army of the Dead, which is going to be a Las Vegas set heist film that is during the zombie apocalypse where the quarantine section is Las Vegas and a group of mercenaries are hired to go to Las Vegas and try to pull off the most insane heist possible. The movie will reportedly have a budget around $90 million, if not higher, oh. and is going to film this summer. But I think as exciting as it is for Snyder to go back to the zombie genre, which he began mm-hmm. doing the Dawn of the Dead remake in 2004, I believe, which has a script written by James Gunn, um, yeah, is which is insane. And But now he's going back to the zomb- zombie genre. He's going to Netflix, which is a huge get for them, but it's also just... Zack Snyder is back, which, you know, whether you like his DC movies or his his Watchmen film or Sucker Punch or any of his previous work or not, it's just like I'm just happy for him Mm -hmm. to now be back after the horrific loss of his daughter and having to leave Justice League behind, but also watch his own plans for that Cinematic Universe that now the DC EU is going in a completely different direction. Seeing that whole thing that he had in his mind mm-hmm. fall and be completely destroyed and take away from him. Um, right now he can come back and do something new and creative and completely original, not derivative and not you know in an adaptation of a book or a short story or anything. This is a movie that is completely Snyder and he's said as much. Or he's like, you know, I've never. The handcuffs are off. I've never had this much freedom before yeah. that what I'll have with Netflix. And that is what got him really excited. And that got me excited too because this is like an Oceans movie mixed mm-hmm. with zombies. And this is like, right. that sounds like such a cool premise that I, like whenever this movie comes out, whether it's like they film it, it's like a 45 day shoot this summer and then they release at the end of the year as like this big drop at the end of the year for Netflix or they release it early 2020. Whatever it may be, I feel like this is going to be a huge hit for them because it's Snyder, his return. That's going to get all of the Snyder fans in. Yep. And also, I have a pretty strong feeling that a lot of big names are going to come to this. Whether it is Affleck and he hey. teams back up with Snyder for this, and he just did a triple, he just did Triple Frontier for Netflix. That's right. So there's a connection there, kind of. Uh, or if it's Ray Fisher's, now that cyborg is probably never going to happen. Uh, he comes involved, but I just think like Snyder's always been able to get really talented cast together mm-hmm. and him doing a zombie heist movie. Like that sounds so cool. and I can't wait to see additional updates. It
1: really does. It really, really does. And you kind of said it. Um, we, Zack Snyder is, he's not, his movies, you like them or you don't. Mm-hmm. They're polarizing features, but you know, what's not polarizing. Zack Snyder is a dude. Yeah. Like as a person, as a director, I mean, um, not as a director, but like as a guy with, um, vision for cinema whether it was in 300 whether it was in like you know some of those early films that he did like Sucker Punch where you're just like I have no idea what's going on here (laughs) this is ludicrous but it looks incredibly cool Mm -hmm. all the way around Um, and then finally like you said we work our way up and then he has something that he's put gosh how many years since Man of Steel to 2017 so like four years of his life trying to like you know Mm -hmm. build up for Warner Brothers just kind of taken away or um lost his grip on it right. for a reason i mean obviously like you said like the worst reasons imaginable but for he anybody. but he
0: was he was losing control of that regardless of, of his the real life you know things are happening to him oh yeah
1: because of the yeah, you know, just reception of mm-hmm. the first films and everything like that
0: um
1: but then you know to hear him say that he has no chains on him that he's free to kind of just go for this thing mm-hmm on Netflix who has had no trouble just going for things. And this kind of really ties back around to like what we were talking about last week about how Netflix is reaching out to quality directors and filmmakers and sort of leveraging past, you know, um, disagreements and experiences with like, major studios and saying go make your movie. We just really want your good content or Mm -hmm. decent content as opposed to like the the middling stuff that like, you know, we all pass over or whatever the case is, you know. Um, Like the movies that I start reviews on and then decide I don't even care about (laughs) them anymore by the time I'm like a paragraph in. Um, Polar. That's what I'm talking about. It's just so lame. But um, yes, this is so cool. And I, like you said, returning to the Dawn of Dead Zombie stuff, I am... Just excited because that's like one. That was my first Snyder movie. Oh, really? That I ever saw.
0: That was the I just watched it this past week after this announcement was made. So
1: the, for the first time. For the first time.
0: Terrific, right? I mean, it's not my favorite Snyder film, but it, it's it's really it's really good. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, as far as like zombie it, it's, movies it's, go. it's 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 almost interesting to watch now because Snyder became such a a visual, mm-hmm. st- stylistic director that there's not a ton of that. No. In Dawn of the Dead, like it, it's it's very much a zombie film, so it's more like i had no idea what to expect from it so when i clicked play i was like all right this is going to be a snyder zombie movie oh yeah can't we really see what that's gonna be and it's just like oh this is just a zombie movie right okay
1: cool innovation for the innovation didn't really come until sucker punch right. and uh 300
0: yeah and then but- he got the, the bigger budget and stuff and um just as a quick note there was some brief you know concern about the project earlier this week um Hmm. Because this is actually a film that Snyder's been developing for a while, since like 2011, I think. Do um, other studios have rights to it? 2008, and it was with Warner Brothers, but Snyder was, I think, just the writer of the film. Um, and then somebody else was going to direct it. And at the time, there were, you know, ideas in play where male zombies would rape females and then turn what? them some way like that. Hmm. But that is not. This movie, obviously, in any way, so that is that was a disregard thing so if you're googling and searching what army of the dead could be and you see those you know posted those scripts online or whatever, know that that is not what who this is wrote that script i i i i I don't know, but uh yeah gross, that is so gross it it is insane um because then they get like human hybrid zombies uh which Oh, that's what a zombie is. Oh, God. Yeah, but then you, have, yeah, I, yeah, it's it, it's it's bizarre. But just wanted to throw that out there to ease any concerns. Thank if you. you cause just in, well, I mean, I guess that was me,
1: that was a genuine, but also sarcastic. Right. Like now that now that
0: I've you know probably shared more than other people probably knew, Ooh. but just in just in just had to you know give a fair warning that that is yeah. not this movie. All good news for Snyder. This is a. Probably a huge action film that is also a heist movie, and it's going to be tons of fun, mm-hmm. and hopefully none of those elements will be in play here. Please, no. Um, but let's move on to Ticket or Skip It here, which is an interesting week that uh, for this, co- for this uh, segment of the show because there's only one real trailer mm-hmm. that we got this week, which, which was for Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. Yes. Stupid title. Um, and then we got a sneak peek of only 20 seconds of Birds of Prey, camera test footage it's not even really a teaser of the film it's more just like hey this is what people are going to look like right but we're comparing them anyways josh which one gets your ticket
1: birds of prey gets my ticket okay easily Hobbs and shaw was what it was like i need to see a trailer just go see the movie because i'm not going to be able to judge that fairly by a trailer so
0: but you can judge birds of prey based on
1: yes i can because number one Christina Hobson Hudson wrote the script to this thing.
0: There's no script of this segment,
1: <laughs> yes, that's true, but I feel like the vibrant personalities that were flooded flooded my um senses, my mm-hmm. optical nerves uh in this just looks like a darling of a time and uh, in, in all sorts of ways like from the beginning of Harley Quinn's like really uh, I don't wanna say it's like New Orleans like mm-hmm. sort of like. Um, Mardi Gras like outfit like all those colors and like frumps and like poofiness like going on there like that looks so vibrant and exciting all the way down to my main man Ewan McGregor and how like dapper they're gonna make black mask Mm -hmm. still like I am so here for that and I don't know like it just I know it's just a first look and obviously we all know Suicide Squad I mean it has the best makeup and hair of all time Oscar winning exactly so we need to we need to temper our expectations a little bit, but I'm excited for this. I really am. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. And for Birds of prey. I'm giving it a ticket. Like I probably already gave it a ticket like ten years ago, but or really? ten episodes ago. But why? I have no idea. Like I just was excited. Like I'm ready for oh, it. Oh, okay. I was like, yeah. I
0: mean, we haven't had it. Take it or skip it for it. So exactly. You like I'm done. like mentally. Like oh, okay. I, I got punched. Right. Right. Like so here yeah, we go. We're obviously gonna go see Birds of Prey. Absolutely. Like regardless of whether I do that or not.
1: But yeah, that's what I'm here for. But my
0: my ticket is going to Hobbs and Chop. You're like, going to give it to Without it. a question. Okay. Like, this movie looks absolutely insane. It looks like an, a joy of a time. Like, mm-hmm. it'll be absolutely ridiculous. The Rock is jumping out of buildings and falling on dudes. And oh my gosh. That was Idris funny. Elba is running down a building holding Vanessa Kirby over his shoulders. It is just so insane. Mm-hmm. And also, Idris Elba is a cyborg, I think. Bulletproof cyborg. And he's able to literally, you know, he's he's strong enough to move the rock and launch him across the window or not the window across the street, which is Mm -hmm. insane. This is just so ridiculous. They had the, the killmonger esque shot from black Panther on Idris elbow, which I loved. Uh, I wish I maybe would have got to see a little more of Vanessa Kirby's character or even a brief glimpse of Isaac Gonzalez, but the action here looks crazy. David Leach is bringing his neon aesthetic to the franchise here and in the introduction of Hobbs and Shaw individually. They're oh, both in right. a neon setting, which I loved mm-hmm. that stylistic choice. Uh, there's the insane flipping of the car as it gets blown up by missiles. The rock saving the day, the insane back and forth between the two of them. It mm-hmm. is it is going to be ridiculous. It'll probably be my favorite Fast and Furious movie because I just think The Rock and Statham together is just going to be so yeah comedic and fun and enjoyable. But then also, just Elbow looks like a great villain, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, this this looks like an absolutely blast.
1: Okay, yeah, I, I don't think I can disagree with anything you
0: said there. But you're just not into it.
1: I am not ready to be into it. I okay. just need to see it. It looks like it's. It looks like it's being a try-hard. I mean, it's a movie that's trying, of course. But it just looks like it's being a little bit too try-hard with at least like the this guy is a jerk. Like you know, like those like interactions. Did like, you like,
0: like the Why Can't We Be Friends song choice? At least. Oh yes, that okay. was perfect. That
1: if anything was funny
0: in that, like it was all funny.
1: But th- that was the that was the cherry on top yeah. of all. Of it.
0: That was. That was- Excellent choice uh, of song there. So uh, let's jump into the flyby then, kicking off with Dune, which got three new all-incredible casting additions mm-hmm. this week. Uh, Variety reported that Oscar Isaac has is joined mm-hmm. as the father of Paul, uh, played by Timothy Chalamet. I think I think his name's Paul, right? Mm-hmm. Paul Atreides. Paul whatever. Atreides. Um, Collider then reported that Zendaya is being eyed to play Chalamet's love interest and then Multiple sides all at the same time reported with no exclusive tags that Javier Bardem is going to play Stilgar, the leader of a nomadic tribe uh, known as Fremen or Freeman. I don't know. I feel like Freeman's a little too on the nose. It would probably be Fremen. No, it's Freeman. It is? Okay.
1: At least that's how I pronounce it in my head. (laughs) When you read the book, yeah. I have Uh, not seen the film. That's the thing. But you've read the
0: book. Yes. Yeah, okay. So either way, Isaac Zendaya Bardem Holy crap! Mm-hmm. Denny Villeneuve is getting everybody. You had me
1: at Oscar Isaac.
0: Like, oh, I
1: can't. I mean, like Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> like, I'm still like not sold on that dude's talents all the way through. But everyone else around him is just shaping up to be
0: excellent. Yeah. It's Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Alexander, or not Alexander Skarsgård, his. The older Skarsgård, yes. Stellan Skarsgård, mm-hmm. Dave Bautista, uh, Charlotte Rampling joined, which I don't think we ever talked about. Uh, I think I missed that in the flyby at one point. Um, and now we have Oscar Isaac, Zendaya, Javier Bardem. This is incredible casting. Yeah. And if this movie comes out next year, I'm going to take back what I said. I think last episode where I was like 2020, 2020 is not shaping up that well. Nah, Dune's going to take it over the top. (laughs) Shaping up to be an epic.
1: I just don't know. Do we have a cinematographer yet for Dune? That's the thing I'm worried about the most. I I do not know. Who deserves to work for Denny? I would love to see Deacon's get back.
0: He's busy, I guess. Or at least they said he wasn't coming back. Oh, well. Uh, We also got our first look at Zombieland 2, now titled Zombieland Double Tap, um, as well as getting the addition of Rosario Dawson, courtesy of Deadline. Apparently, not only are you excited, this is, I think, your number six... Most anticipated mm-hmm. film of the year, but Twitter was blowing up over this first look. A lot of people are very excited uh, to see Zombieland come back after 10 years, and the first look, I mean, honestly, they look pretty good for going through 10 years of zombie apocalypse, but hey. I guess I was not good, that good at it.
1: It was an epic return, like that photo. Like I, like the first time I saw that, photo, I'm like, oh, that's Photoshop or something like that. Like I had no idea it was an actual legit mm-hmm. like poster that they had created. And then when I gave it a look, I'm like, oh, I just cannot wait to get this movie. You know, a teaser trailer, anything like that. The rules or whatever. Um, like you said, yeah, it blew up. We made some great friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just oh uh, you know all getting like limber and everything like that for <laughs> this so so stoked on that part and yeah like i said like uh obviously it's just a poster but let the hype train begin yeah even like well, the hype train began as soon as uh fletcher said that or Fletcherson yeah Fleischer. Flesher, thank you so that they were they were on it but mm-hmm. i'm more excited now
0: this movie has started shooting but it's supposed to be out in october this year so they're going to have to start moving very quickly on this. They will. Uh, but we also got a report from THR this week sticking on the Lee Winnell train of hype. He is now set to write and maybe direct the Escape from New York reboot that has been in the works for the last year or so. Uh, as a huge Lee Winnell fan after Upgrade and him not doing Invisible Man, mm-hmm. this is obviously a little further off in the future. But if this happens, uh, this is great news.
1: Yeah. Um. That I mean, it spells all sorts of different things for what this escape from New York would look like. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, darker and weirder and even crazier than our first time through the city with Snake. Yeah. Um, Snake Eyes.
0: Snake Pliskin. Snake Pliskin. Thank you. Played by Kurt Russell. So this time mm-hmm. you just get his son to come in and said.
1: Ooh, that would be a really good pick. But also, maybe. One of the Hemsworth brothers. I
0: also saw somebody suggest Emily Blunt plays the daughter of Plissken. I was like, yeah, that sounds great.
1: Or she just plays Plissken.
0: Swap it all out. Whatever you want to do. That would be kick butt. But uh, we also got a report from Deadline this week that uh, Aaron Sorkin's Chicago 7 movie has added multiple new people, uh, including Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Seth Rogen, as well as Michael Keaton being eyed for a role in the movie. So, this cast is shaping up very well. Eddie Redmayne, Sasha Baron Cohen are set to mm-hmm. star in it. Now, Levitt, Rogan teaming up for the third time after 50/50 and The Night Before. Rogan worked with Sorkin before on Steve Jobs. Um, but I'm I'm this cast is shaped up really well and if they get Keaton. Yeah. All all gold for me.
1: Um, Keaton's never been in a Sorkin thing before. He's never been a Sorkin player, right? Don't believe so. No, um, but I'm most excited for Gordon Levitt because the guy's had an opportunity to work with like so many greats, and now with Sorkin's words in his mouth, it's interesting to see how high that high that drama can go. And I feel
0: like he's just not in a lot. He's not in a lot.
1: Like, he hasn't been doing anything lately. It's just like, JGL, what, was the last what are you doing? M- Looper was his last big I mean, feature. He was
0: technically a voice in The Last Jedi. That's true. We're just like, murder, 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 murder. Yeah, but like, that's that's it. That's it. So uh, then, uh, just some, two quick things here. One, a really cool story came from Deadline this week that Westworld co-creator Lisa Joy is set to make her feature film debut on this movie called Reminiscence, which is an in, which is an original idea by Joy that is going to star Hugh Jackman and Rebecca Ferguson, set in a in the semi future uh, where Miami is like halfway underwater because of global warming and you can reactivate your memories by going through certain people. And Hugh Jackman is going to play that person at, who gets to go inside Rebecca Ferguson's memories. And then she goes missing after they fall in love. <sighs> and it sounds like a super epic, uh, sci-fi thriller, which joy laid out her complete pitch for on deadline for like, like a first of its kind sort of a thing. Oh, awesome. And so if you have the chance, check out that deadline article, this movie sounds incredible and it's going to be sold to, or it's going to be, um, put up for purchase for studios this coming week at the Berlin movie festival thing, so I hope studios jump on this quick, and it's supposed to start filming later this year. So yeah. this uh, this project sounds super cool.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, you could make the argument that her and Jonathan Nolan's collaborations with Westworld have been like the most crazy, yeah, ever. And so now she's like, and like Jonathan Nolan by himself too, mm-hmm. and at least Joy stepping out, awesome. Well, now, like, I, that
0: pitch sounds, and I guess mad. She, I guess she's had this idea in her brain since her and Jonathan first started like talking and dating mm-hmm. because then he because they were talking about how they both wanted to do you know these psychological sort of thrillers. He did Memento. Yeah. And now she's gonna do hers finally. So uh very excited for that. And then some exciting news as well, which is kind of expected but it is, is official now. The Mission Impossible sequels have been given official release dates. Mission Impossible 7 is coming out on July 31st, 2021, and Mission Impossible eight on August 5th, 2022. So we knew they were both coming out in those years, but now we know the actual dates that we get to see the end, potentially, of Ethan Hunt's journey, and I can't wait to see what Tom Cruise and Macquarie cook up next.
1: It's If it is the... If it is, yes, me too. But if it is the end, does it end like Ethan Hunt, like... Or is it more like,
0: Ethan Hunt, where did he go? Yeah, I think... Dun, well, dun, 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 Tom dun, Cruise dun, has said ethan hunt's never gonna die so okay good yes the, the, i think we're going option two there perfect uh so next week we'll be back with a review of the lego movie 2 the second part you guys can already go read my review that's up on the site uh black should be able to talk about it in depth in the review section next week i'll uh, we'll also be back with a big question as mentioned uh this week talking about who should be the next batman now mm. that ben affleck mm. has vacated the role um but in the meantime, be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything covered by True from the film. You can follow me personally on Twitter at MovieCooper. And you can get at me, Josh, if you're just Joshua Ryan. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, Heritage it and give us a five-star review with comments telling us why you enjoyed listening to the show. It makes the an unfortunate and true defenseful podcast. Josh? I think Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy are my favorite writing couple. Aww. And be sure to turn next week for more of Josh's Thoughts.